You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe, and today I'm going to present a a bit of a discussion about mental health. And I was um, impressed by the opportunity to do this. My guest is a a specialist in that area, and his name is Jason Hopkins. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so Jason has done a lot of work in this area, and he's got some great things going on, which I will let him describe and get into. Uh, But I will preface by saying that I, I think it's important to put this subject out there because we have a lot of things going on in our world right now. In the business world, the acceleration of the pace of business is wearing on people. We've heard a lot of talk about this idea of resilience, both resilience if you're an owner, manager, operator, being a leader of a business in in the current context is tough, and your people may be feeling the pressure, and the whole dynamic of, of what we've all experienced individually with the pandemic has had different impacts on people's mental health. And uh, Jason probably knows the data a lot more than I do, but um, let's start, Jason. First, just level set with us. Tell everybody a little bit about what you've got going on, your nonprofit and your for-profit business efforts. Happy to. So um, as you and I were talking previously, I am the president and CEO of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Most people know it as NAMI for Arapahoe and Douglas counties, which are two of the largest counties in the state of Colorado. So the work that we do to provide education, support and outreach programs to vulnerable or marginalized populations struggling with mental health in Arapahoe and Douglas counties is roughly Um, The counties are comprised of about a million people. So if you look at the statistics, one in four, um, we could potentially impact 250,000 lives with the work that we do. Um, I've done that work the better part of the last decade and came to that work after my own struggle, Um, have always been an entrepreneur and bring entrepreneurial spirit to really anything I do, specifically my nonprofit and recognizing that nonprofits are also businesses. But from the work that I've done at NAMI, which often focuses on individuals and their family members that struggle and suffer with chronic or persistent mental illness, I recognized there was a huge need and a a missed opportunity to support people like myself or just people that are going through life transition issues, setbacks, struggles, et cetera, and formed an organization in 2017 called Connection Project. And Connection Project, in its essence, our mission is to strengthen and deepen connection to ourselves and others. What that looks like, strategically speaking, is by and large, we are a a data cultivation company. Um, Basically, we look at the most vulnerable or marginalized communities. Um, We work with them to build social impact campaigns to deliver resources to them in an easier um, more streamlined fashion. We do that through developing, you know, large-scale digital campaigns, social media marketing. Um, we we use those tools, radio spots, TV spots, um, and that work has happened a lot within the responder communities, which includes frontline healthcare workers, um, 
We've worked with middle-aged men, which is a group that, that traditionally struggles um, kind of silently and quietly. We're doing um, some significant work with youth and families today. Um, we've worked with vets and service members, but I really love the opportunity to be able to show up and serve these communities that are struggling, that do have higher than normal depression, anxiety rates, suicidal ideation and completion rates, substance use and misuse. Um, you know, as you mentioned a minute ago, Doug, the reality is, is what we've all been through in the last three years, um, collectively, people are struggling. And I think we have a responsibility and an opportunity to better meet them at that place with resources and tools that can help them. Yeah. Well, I know in the work I do, uh, as as most of my listeners know, my my focus areas are split a bit between corporate executive development, leadership development, coaching, and also a uh, focus on small business advisory work. And what I've learned in the course of navigating through the pandemic, what leaders are talking about is the obvious impact that the whole pandemic had. I mean, basically everybody in one form or fashion had to deal with their own sense of mortality. Right. And was it hyped by the media? Yes. Was it, was there confusion and a lot of misinformation floating around? Yes. You know, was it politically galvanized? Yes. And, and, and so all of those forces coming together to create this sense of chaos and confusion, um, you know, from from my limited understanding, and I'm, I'm by no means a, a professional in this area of mental health, but when you have that many unknowns and variables impacting someone's psyche and, and their own sense of security, I, I I'm a big advocate of teaching about the Maslow's hierarchy. <laughs> well, you know, the very bottom rung of Maslow's hierarchy is, am I safe? Am I going to die? And if you can't satisfy that fundamental human need to some degree of certainty, people are are not going to optimize their their work output, their ability to connect in society. If they're constantly in a fight or flight sort of mode, uh, I'm told the brain processes fight or flight by taking all the resources away from your frontal cortex where all the intuitive work is done and it goes back in another region of the brain and without the full capacity of the frontal cortex, you're, the, the typical demands we have at work are not going to be satisfied. So, it and that creates another kind of pressure. if people are being challenged by the fact that they aren't producing at work, whole different pressure is applied. So it's a, it's a perfect storm as, as me sitting here as a layman trying to put all that, connect all those dots. It is. And I, and I think you teed that up beautifully. I mean, it is a perfect storm. And I think there are a few gifts from COVID among them, the top being that people are, um, have a willingness and maybe because it's it's because of the pressure or the struggle that they've gone through to talk about what they're struggling with. And I can't think of another point in history that people were more open and honest about what they're dealing with. And I think that is a really beautiful thing, but what it has created is this enormous space and obligation for 
business owners, leaders, employers to really show up to meet people where they are. And I think where they are, by and large, has has you know given us a look that that people are are really struggling. And you know, the thing that I think is interesting about this, and I look at it as an experiment, quite frankly, because I was not prepared for that gift of COVID is we now have a demand that far exceeds the supply of available resources to support people. So what I think from that is, okay, recognizing that not everybody is going to follow a traditional system of support. So what are the opportunities we have as leaders, as people who are interested in evolving the conversation that have an impact on the people in their lives? There's a responsibility to show up differently for them, which requires us, A, to get more educated, but B, I think, to show up with empathy and compassion about what people are going through. So my tagline and connection project is actually everyone struggles. Um, and recognizing from that foundation and word struggle, there is... Um, you know, it does present an ability or an opportunity for us to show up and connect with people on on a more individualistic way. And I find that when we are plugged into our own struggle and recognize things that we have had setbacks with in life, it is easier for us to meet people at that place. Now, I'm not saying that we get on the floor and cry with everybody and have a kumbaya moment every day. But I do think in recognizing what we've struggled with our own lives, and again, everyone struggles, it is easier for us to show up with empathy in recognizing that somebody may go be going through something that is impacting them in a significant or profound way, and we may need to meet them there for a minute. Um, and I think doing so requires us to have different tools. I think it, it 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 requires some introspection that allows us then to reflect from our own place of struggle how we showed up for ourselves in those times. Frankly, yeah. Doug, we're all still learning. Oh yeah, and, and I think this expectation that we're going to do it all perfectly is really unrealistic. The things I have recognized that knowing the demand exceeds supplies, what are the things that we can do to empower ourselves to show up for ourselves? And I think about simple things that are free and available 24-7, 365, taking a walk around the block, getting sun on your head, practicing gratitude, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep. I mean, really simple things that we have immediate access to that I'm not sitting here by any stretch saying it will fix everything in your life. But I can tell you from proven experience of working with hundreds of others of people, as well as in my own life, it can make a difference in a moment. If you are in a bad spot, I guarantee you going and getting 15 minutes of sun on your head, hopefully while taking a walk around the block, it will shift your mood state. And I think we have a responsibility to remind people there are simple things you can do to help yourself that don't look like finding a therapist or taking meds, or if you're in crisis, going to you know, a, a hospital type setting. I'm not discounting any of those. They have a time and a place, but there are many things we can do for ourselves that can shift our mood state and make a significant impact. Yeah, I, I think that's incredibly great a great message and, and words of wisdom. I, I think um, going going back to your earlier point, I think in the work world, one of the challenges that's emerging, and, and I, I deal with this quite a bit in my client base, is the still ever-present tradition of command and control leadership style. Right. And Somewhat by definition, command and control just doesn't have a lot of room for the 
empathetic listening and the connection with your people. It's top down, you know, here's the mission, here's the challenge, go do the work. And I think leaders or, or I'm going to, I'm going to be careful about the word leader. I'm going to say people in seats of authority that use that style of management are finding this is a, a big part of the so-called great resignation we had right. on the one hand the people that were experiencing all these things in their personal life in this perfect storm and and their attempt to rationalize it and make choices about their own well-being when they showed up for work and they were subjected to the traditional command and control they just said you know what not on my list anymore i'm not going to do this this is a negative influence in my life, and I've got all these other choices I've made about keeping my sanity, keeping my health, and, and being available for those I love and care for. Guess what, boss? I'm not going to subject myself to your style anymore. I'm out. And um, I think, for again, for the work I do with, with business leaders, it, it is a very real challenge, and those who grew up with that command and control tradition are having to make some serious adjustments to their mindset about how to run their teams. Well, I think it goes back to the old adage of all or die. You know, I mean, the world is different. I don't think any of us, again, another gift of COVID, I don't think any of us expected is we were able to reprioritize what quality time looked like. We were stuck in our homes with our family members and loved ones, you know, or with ourselves. And it really caused many of us to explore what quality of life do I want if I don't have to get up and get in my car and get dressed and commute every day into a job that I don't love all that much to begin with. I mean, I think, I think foundationally people work for people. Yes, they work in the microcosm of a company, but but ultimately, you know, as humans, we all have a desire to be seen, valued, and heard. And, and I think that COVID made the way, and again, I don't want to make this a COVID conversation, but I think it made the way for people recognizing that maybe it was okay for them to expect and want more, you know, from the experience that they're having in lives. And, and we've seen that playing out. And, and frankly, in many organizations, not in a positive way because of what you're talking about. Um, but I think I think people in authority who have the ability to shape and shift what environments look like, there is a real obligation to step up differently. And if you don't, I think, frankly, it, it's probably not going to play out well over time, um, certainly in cultivating the type of team that's going to show up and support you in return. And especially if you look at organizations that employ broad swaths of younger people coming into the workforce, I mean, their demand for quality of life is unlike anything that we've ever seen. And again, I'm not criticizing that at all because I do think we should make quality of life a priority. But if you don't, I don't think the results are going to play out well for most people in positions of authority. Yeah, I I agree, and and I definitely have dozens, if not hundreds, of of anecdotal uh, stories to evidence that. And I know there's some more sophisticated research going on to help leaders understand the significance of these changes and shifts that are happening in the mindset of the workforce and right. for those that throw up their hands and say, "I don't want to deal with this." 
junk. I'll, I'll use that word. <laughs> uh, it, number one, it's, it's an incredibly narrow-minded answer for the uh, challenge that's there. But um, I, I think there is a clear and present demand. And I, I know among leaders who are trying to wrestle with it, they too have their own challenge for mental health and resilience to fight because they're hearing from above the, the challenges and expectations of where the company's supposed to be going, but yet they're on the front line with their employees hearing the, the demands and challenges that those people bring. Right. And if if you're in a seat of authority in the middle, you're you're in a, a double bind of pressure. Or in the greatest opportunity of your life. Right. Right. I, mean, I really look at the the entire experiment really is about evolving humanity. I just imagine done well if if we if we show up to the the invitation that's being presented, I really think we have, you know, this this really beautiful again I'm going to use the word opportunity to create something that that feels supportive and responsive to the needs of people. Yeah. You know, People yeah. are what make up organizations. Like I just, right. I, 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 I understand that there is work that has to be done and is necessary for any business model to, to thrive. But I think there's plenty of data that supports people feeling supported ends up in better bottom line results. Like I, I don't, yeah. I don't know any other way to say it. You know, it's a pretty simple approach. And I, I just, I think that um, anybody who is unwilling to step up to that occasion, I think it's going to have challenges. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you're right. That is the bottom line of what we're saying here. And I like your thinking. It, it It is an incredibly positive opportunity for those who want to embrace the change and figure out ways to move forward. And uh, I guess some could argue if, if it weren't for that opportunity, I wouldn't have much work to do at all, right. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, to, to help people uh, make that pivot and, and go in that direction. Um, it, it, there's a question in my mind, and as a layman, I'm, I'm going to ask this, with what seems like a rise in some of the mental health challenges in our communities, is there any data that tells us the likelihood or preponderance of, of what mental health issues are genetic versus, um, I guess I'll call it system generated, for lack of a better word? There are a lot of hypotheses about that. And I think I, I certainly think that there are genetic components to people who, you know, have or end up having chronic and persistent mental illness. I'm really most focused on to back up a step, and, and, and I'll tie this up in a neat a neat loop, I hope, um, the traditional system it is pushed upon us, I believe, from scary, sad, and traumatic incidents. You think about what the media portrays mental health as, and, 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 and I want to differentiate, mental illness and mental health are not the same thing. Mental illness, like any other illness, is actually a sickness. Whether it's genetic or not, it is actually something that would be equivalent to diabetes or cancer or something like that, that does have a path to treat it. Mental health is something every one of us has. If you have a brain in your body, you have mental health. There is poor mental health, there is good mental health, and there's a continuum in the middle. 
I think where we have struggled with the conversation evolving is there's not a lot of differentiation between the two words. And look, for the better part of a decade, I would have conversations about mental health and or mental illness, and you could literally see the blinds come down on people's on people's faces from not wanting to have the conversations. And the reality is, is until we look at systemically the fact that we all have mental health, I think the conversation will still have fits and starts. As we continue to evolve the narrative and recognize we all have mental health, I think we have an opportunity to better meet people where they are and recognize that there may be periods that people go through in life, I'm going to call them setbacks or challenges, that we don't show up in our best way. It may not be the best chapter of our book. And if most people are honest with themselves about it, we all have them. Loss of a loved one, loss of a pet, loss of a job you know, death, you know, death of any sort of circumstance. I mean, there are things that happen in life that set us back. And there are seasons that we don't show up in our best way. I think the fact that the system doesn't start the conversation from recognizing that is really dangerous. I think it's kind of trapped us into believing that, you know, it's us versus them. And the reality is any of us could be them in a minute. You know, I'll share a little personal story here. So, I mean, I used to have a very successful real estate and real estate support business. I had a couple of other businesses. When the economy crashed in 2008, it basically brought me to my knees. I had a very diversified business portfolio. And frankly, the economy crashing is ultimately not what crippled me. Um, through my own arrogance and ego, I continued living the same life that I had when I really sustainably couldn't afford it. Well, that plays out over the course of the next several years. And, and, and I'm going to say I lost my business, my mind and my money. And what that looked like for me was a dark night of the soul that literally brought me to my knees that that put me squarely into doing the work that I've been doing and do for the better part of the last decade. And frankly, I spent a lot of the last decade hating that story and beating myself up about if I had only done that differently or or what if I had done this. And the fact of the matter is, Doug, if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be here. So I come at this conversation from a deeply personal story of recognizing what it feels like to rebuild a life from hell. And when I say I have a life most people aspire to and may never achieve, I absolutely had that life. I had all the trappings of success. I lived the proverbial American dream, and it literally all came crashing down, not overnight, over time. And what I was left with was a life in ruin that I had to rebuild myself from. Now, I'm I, I'm I'm here today because I had the fortitude to and a mustard seed of faith to keep going forward, knowing that if I made it out of that story that many wouldn't have, that I was going to make a difference to help other people not end up in the place that I did. So for me, evolving the conversation around mental health, differentiating between mental health and mental illness, it is paramount to everything. And I think it comes back to that one word that we talked about earlier, connection, and then the humanity of us all needing to connect. Like, we are here to have a human experience. And I think anybody to assume that we cannot have a setback, a profound one or not in life is really an unrealistic station point that is frankly limited and will leave many people flat-footed if they think it can't happen to them because it can. Yeah. I love the way you said that. And I, I want to accentuate the Thank you. 
the the difference between the mental health and the mental illness and and i i do understand and i actually have had some of those same discussions when you said the blinds come down when you kind of open that topic people do inaccurately hear mental health and they immediately go to the severe cases that are in the news and in the media and um, clearly demonstration of, of certifiable mental illness being played out in the public eye when, like you said, we all have some notion of mental health. And the question is, where are you on the spectrum today? Right. And, you know, I go back to if you don't want to talk about mental health, meet people at their place of struggle. I encourage you to use those two words. If you're listening, everyone struggles in conversation and you will nine times out of 10 notice somebody will pause and consider and then often agree with you and then maybe tell you about their own struggle. The thing about struggle that's different than mental health or mental illness is it's not scary. It's not sad and it's not traumatic. It's real. It's real life. You know, my, my website is realpeoplereallife.org, and that was by design in recognizing that we are all humans having a human experience. Yeah. And I think anybody yeah. who assumes that it cannot happen to them is really short-sighted in the conversation. Again, it's not a criticism. I believe we all show up to do our best, but the fact of the matter is, is we are being called to do better to show up differently for ourselves and for others. That to me is what real leadership looks like. That to me is what having influence and power looks like. Being able to say, hey, I've had setbacks in life, but I'm still showing up and, I, and I'm and i interested in you and want to know how I can show up and serve you. That's what wakes me up every day. Yeah. I, I really like that way of framing it. And I'm, I'm reminded of a quote that an, an old, pastor friend of mine used to always say, and he would bring it up frequently in his Sunday sermons, there's a story on every pew. Absolutely. And uh, to your point, everyone struggles. And um, and you also mentioned the the spectrum we're talking about here, you know, the all the big life events, separations and deaths of loved ones, pets, job changes, all those things that or disappointments in business that take us up and down the roller coaster of where we might be in in our own mental health range. I alluded to it earlier. That's one of the reasons I try to talk to leaders a little bit about that Maslow's hierarchy. And my argument is similar to what we're saying here. If you look across the floor at your work team, everybody out there that showed up today is at a different place on that Maslow's hierarchy, and they've moved around from where they were yesterday. Absolutely. So whether yourself it's included, uh, pardon yourself included. I Absolutely. mean, That's whoever's right. looking out, you have to be able to turn the lens back on yourself and focus on, okay, your needs are constantly evolving too. And, and I think that goes back to, Part of why the mental health conversation had struggled, if we talk about that continuum or that spectrum that we all live on, the reality is, is there's not a one-size-fits-all solution. And I think that's why mental illness gets such a bad rap of they assume that you should be able to treat everything and it works perfectly and beautifully. It isn't the case. 
And I think you see that same thing play out in other illnesses, physical illnesses that we have. Like you don't treat every cancer the same way and not every treatment is successful. I think until we can level set the fact that people are doing the best they can and there isn't a one size fits all, I think we continue to struggle about this conversation. And and, and frankly, it's just another exercise in humanness, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. And somehow related to that, I'm thinking of the challenge, and this gets talked about a lot, pro and con, the impact of social media on our lives. And, you know, on one hand, the preponderance of information that is accessible and the speed at which we can find information could be a great thing, but there's also so much misinformation and animosity that gets spewed out through various channels. Um, if, if someone is not in their own right place with their own mental health to have the determination to just say, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm turning that off. <laughs> mm. um, I think that becomes its own challenge. It absolutely does. And I'll just tell you the the real detriment, and, and there are many gifts to to social media that that benefit us in very significant and positive ways. But we have entire generations of youth that are being shaped with never not having technology accessible and available to them. Now, the dangerous part of that scenario is what's missing in so many of those searches and conversations that are happening subsequent to somebody seeing something online or something happening online is appropriate context. And I think without appropriate context, there is a lot of misinformation and sharing of information that can be terribly detrimental and harmful, not only to our self-esteem, but in how we show up for other people in our lives. Like, I cannot stress enough the dangers that social media and the prevalence of awful things that can come from not just in youth, but adults that play out in a very real way every day. And, and we have to do a better job of policing what that looks like. And I don't know how we get back to, uh, you know, an extreme kindness with each other in recognizing, you know, our own struggles and the struggles in others. But there is something that is profoundly missing in the conversation that is playing out in a pretty nasty way. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it, it's been interesting for me. There, there are a, a, a collection of people that I work with and follow online, uh, various other so-called influencers or thought leaders, especially in the leadership realm. And it's been interesting in the last, I'll say, 90 days or maybe six months, a number of those individuals have published announcements saying, I'm done. I'm signing off. I'm unplugging. I will maintain my newsletter. I'll maintain my podcast. If you need me, you've got to find me in the very direct, traditional way. Otherwise, I'm not going to participate in the chatter that's going on out there. Right. And, and you know, they, they, as they elaborate in their announcement, they're describing various degrees of their own sense of negative impact on their own personal mental health. And I can't think clearly. I'm not thinking about these issues correctly. So I believe it's some of the input that I'm getting 
and right. that I can't avoid other than turning it off. And that's what I'm going to do. Well, and first of all, it feels like if you want to be in that game, it is a game, by the way, that you are constantly being called to level up, to do more, to show up differently, to create a different something, to trick the algorithm that's constantly changing. Like, I don't know about you, Doug. It's exhausting. Oh, and it is. Real it is. leadership is people like yourself, like me, who have a platform that really are, are committed to showing up with content that makes a difference and knowing that the people who are supposed to have eyes on your information, they won't pass you by, they will find you. Now, I think you have to decide how you're going to do that, you know, in a way that can scale in today's world. But I think there's just a far more thoughtful look at how we show up to to influence people with, with powerful words that can make a difference and shape lives. I think that's a tremendous responsibility. And a lot of people, frankly, are very sloppy with it. Yeah. And we've gotten in a world that moves so fast. I mean, a three-second soundbite is what they're expecting. You're you're trying to, to gauge to get people to connect with. And frankly, I don't know about you. I don't know that you make sustainable connection in three no, seconds. You don't. And uh, just myself, uh, to your point, in, in, in my own effort to be smart about how I'm distributing our show here, this very recording that we're going to make and when it gets ready for production, how it goes out the wire. Right. Um, you know, I've consulted with so-called gurus and experts on marketing and, and social media and all that. And without exception, I get condemned for the fact that my shows average 45 minutes long. And I get these so-called gurus telling me, oh, God, you've got to get that condensed down to 30-second shorts and reels. Right. And we can't have the kind of discussion you and I are having in a 30-second reel. No, not it, if you want to have a whole conversation. It, it's, it's, it's impossible to have that content packed into a 30-second soundbite like that. So I run the contrarian approach and say, nope, for the people that are interested and that are going to pursue quality input for their own life choices that they're going to make, they're going to want to participate in a bigger discussion, right? a more robust and complete discussion. And I believe that audience absolutely exists. Yeah, it does. It does. And I, I think it does Im impact those who truly do want to make a difference and, and be leaders either in their business or their community. I, I think to the extent they're on a, a genuine search for additional information and perhaps inspiration for a new idea, they have to hear the whole discussion first. Right. Because they are discerning and they are smart about it. If they hear the whole discussion and still don't agree, okay, that's their choice. That's right. fine. They, they can move on with it. I learned a long time ago. I mean, I shared with you earlier, like the story of my undoing, and, and I don't want to minimize the fact that it was literally the worst hell I would not wish on anybody. And I can tell you the thing that was hardest for me in beginning again, and this literally took me five, six, seven years to really work through, committedly work through was the reality of the people that you expect that are going to show up for you don't and the people you never expect would do and recognizing that it all happens in perfect timing. Yeah. 
You know, I think we we live our lives believing certain things about the people in our sphere of influence. And 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 frankly, I had to then shine a light back on myself and recognize what had I done to cultivate relationships that didn't have enough depth for those people to show up, even though I thought they were significant relationships. You know, I I, I don't think most of us take the time and effort and energy to really look at cultivating relationships that matter. Who are the people that are in your corner, ride or die? And I think that's so important and and, and also really important in the conversation around people of, of authority. Like those are the people you want on your team and not necessarily the ones you're going to call if you have a personal problem about a work situation, but you know the people that are going to show up for you and help you move the needle in whatever way you're supposed to in life. Like that to me is the richness and fullness of this experience that frankly, I didn't understand in my previous life. And it took me being brought to my knees literally to be able to recognize that I'm going to show up differently and have faith that others who believe differently are going to show up also. Yeah. Well, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I had a, a much similar um experience during that time i i too was running a company that was real estate related um, it, it was uh supporting the mortgage finance industry and we were a back office processing company for mortgage lenders and a lot of people don't remember this but i was ground zero in a front row seat to what happened and there was a window of time in late 2007 when the entire mortgage finance world stopped for 45 days. You could not get a home loan anywhere in the country for 45 days. Banks were afraid. Banks had, had clamped down the government agencies that were buyers and uh, secondary market financers of mortgages stopped. Everything stopped. And um, when you got a company that is doing that <laughs> and you lose all your business for 45 days, you really don't recover from that. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I, I had a, a, uh, an IT recruiting firm at that time and also employed a bunch of contractors for IT firms and had a payroll factoring company to support them. They were not hiring. And in fact, they didn't want to keep the people that they had. So uh, I suffered it from a few different places. But you know, I don't think that most of us go through life expecting that that things can literally go to zero yeah and in an instant i mean it didn't happen overnight but it kind of did yeah and i think part of it was is none of us believed it was going to be as bad as it ended up being right and, right and, and you know lesson learned but um it certainly shapes how you show up moving forward i think well i i tell the the rest of, of my story on that, I, at the time all this happened, my company was supporting 200 lending institutions across the country. And I got on the phone with the owners and the heads of all those uh, mortgage companies and banks. And I asked them, what were they going to be doing? And the majority of them, at least the mortgage lenders that, that were involved, said, we started as a mom and pop, and that's what we're going to do. My wife and I are going to let everybody go. We're going to hang in here. We're going to retain our license, and we're going to hope for the best, and we're going to you know, rebuild. 
Well, obviously, that was going to take some time to do that. And in, in terms of what my company needed to sustain our operating expense, that wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Right. So I called my four investors and I said, uh, guys, I'm not writing any checks. I don't expect you to. So I think we're headed for a, a wind down and shutdown. They agreed and December 31st, we literally pulled the plugs on everything and turned off all the equipment. We were done. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, there was a corporate bankruptcy involved and all sorts of fun things you want you don't necessarily want to learn as an I call those the t-shirts we collect along the way you know <laughs> yeah. you, you put them on you take them off you got another one like I, I'm into collecting different t-shirts today but I, I've been there and done that Doug I get it <laughs> yep 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 well uh Jason uh, I think we are about up on time here and this has just been incredible and I thank you for your candor and wonderful insight and and vision of this and and the way you've kind of styled and helped us get some clarity on these really important issues say again the resources if if people want to get a hold of you or check out your organizations what are some of the links they should follow so really simple, my website connection project is realpeoplereallife.org, and you can find me on any of the social platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, under my name, Jason Hopkins, H-O-P-C-U-S. Um, and some good news that I'm, I'm launching with you first, um, I actually have a radio show that's starting at the end of February, um, Get Unstuck, Move Forward With Your Life. I'll be on voiceamerica.com under their empowerment channel, uh, 9 a.m.s live um, every Tuesday. Um, so I'm really... I'm excited about that. The the concept is get unstuck, move forward with your life, which I think we agree that that going what we've just talked about is is a topic that I hope people will be interested in. But um, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity today, Doug. Thank you for making the time and the space to have important conversations like this with the audience that you have. Um, I appreciate it. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. And folks, we're going to have those links that Jason mentioned. They will be in our show notes here, both in the audio channel and also on YouTube, which, by the way, we do have a video version of this episode over on a channel by the same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Hop over there, leave us a comment, give us a note, let us know uh, what you think and how we're doing. We um, we really do want to keep these discussions going. We want to help people find the resources they need, get the answers they need. And if you're a leader in your, your business, I think the message for today is be aware, be sensitive, and see what you can do to meet your people where they are. Because as uh, Jason introduced us to the tagline, everybody struggles. So... Uh, a lot of great information in here, folks. You might want to hit the rewind button a little bit if I can go so far as to uh, suggest that. But uh, Jason, one last time, thank you, man. Really appreciate you, it. Man. I appreciate you. All right, everybody. We're going to uh, sign off, say goodbye, wish you a great day, and hope to see you again real soon. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.